And Riverside Church, Pastor Dale here. It is Sunday, May 17th. So glad you're with us this morning online. I can't wait to see you in person on May the 31st. That's right. We will have services here on Sunday, May 31st. I can't wait to see you. We will have a 9 a.m. and a 10.30 a.m. service. Here's the idea. We're going to send you an invitation. You're going to respond with a 9 a.m. time or a 10.30 a.m. time, and then you'll be registered for that time slot, and we will want to see you at that specific time. The goal is to limit our crowds, have a certain number of people here in order to continue to be safe and precautious. Not precautious, just cautious. We're going to keep going live. Here we go. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. While you're turning there, I'll tell you, did you notice I got a COVID cut? That's right. Look at that. 90s skater boy. There you go. Love it. Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 11. All right. Here's what it says. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to share this morning to your church, to your people. God, I pray that you would do something special in all of us this morning, that you would have a radical encounter with us, that we might be on fire for you. Lord, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, as a boy, I learned to play Scrabble at a very early age. I can remember playing Scrabble with my grandmother, uh, and we would have coffee at, as early as the age of seven. Can you believe that? Coffee at the age of seven, and I would put, you know, 17 packets of sugar in it, and we would play Scrabble together. Now, you may know that my family is a very competitive uh, family. They never let me win. They never let me win. I wasn't allowed to win. I had to earn my stripes, except for my grandmother. She would give me a run for my money, but then sometimes I think she might have let me win. It's through the, through the game of Scrabble that I fell in love with words. I don't know if you're like me and you were a super Scrabble nerd as a kid, but sometimes I would read the Scrabble dictionary to learn new words. I'm sure Kristen Moore's that way. I know my dad, Dave, is that way, which I have uh, easily beat both of them on regular occasions. But I do remember as a young boy, you're welcome, Kristen, I remember as a young boy, there was a word that I came across the Scrabble Dictionary, a two-point word, only two points, one per letter, two letters, the letter A and the letter I. A and I, two letters, two points, unless you had a clever way of using it. So why in the world would you ever need an A and an I, I to spell a word? Because sometimes in Scrabble, the very end, the last tiles are all out, and you get stuck with letters that you needed to get rid of. And so I learned the letter A-I as the word I in order to win, in order to go out first and get those extra points. So what does that have to do with this passage? A and I, the letter word I, means sloth. It means three-toed sloth. Those weird creatures with the weird brown kind of wiry hair, the long weird nails and the elongated arms who mostly hang upside down on trees, sloths. Do not be slothful in zeal. Now, I have no idea if sloths are really slothful or sloths are really lazy. I do know that we metaphorically use that, uh, that animal as sort of a picture of what laziness looks like. 
I remember as a kid reading the King James Version and you would see this phrase in here and other places about sloths being slow and lazy. And so our writer Paul here, he says, do not be slothful or lazy in zeal. Now remember, the background of this text is this chapter is all about how we are going to worship God. Remember Jesus' words when he takes the 600 and some odd laws in the Old Testament, he boils them down to two things, love God and love others. Love God and love others. And for us, the last few weeks, we've been looking at what does it mean to love God and how do we worship God? We worship God by loving God. And one of the ways that we love God is by loving others. Paul is giving us a Christian ethic, a Christian way to move about this world. And one of the ways that we move this this world and one of the ways we treat other people with, with a love and affection and kindness and justice and doing so ethically and rightly in some way by loving the other, we worship God. I love that. I love that I can worship God in psalm and in song, and I can pray and praise and come to church, and I read my Bible, but I also love this idea that in some way serving others, I'm serving God. But in this passage, it's not just about serving the other. In this passage, this zealousness seems to have something to do with how we love God and how we worship Him, both directly to Him personally, but also to others. And there's this admonishment Paul has these, these quick little phrases, these quick little wordsmith phrases that he uses to, to give us imperatives, commands, to tell us how to go about life. But in these little ones, this little phrase here, this little clause here, do not be slothful in zeal, he doesn't give us an, 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 uh, a positive statement, but a negation. Do not be slothful in zeal. Don't be that three-toed, hanging upside down, wiry-haired, long-armed, long-nailed creature. Don't be slow in zeal. Be fast in zeal. Be diligent or fervent in spirit to go after it. What is zeal anyways? I mean, if, if 1611 King James has this, got this word slothful, that's a very old term. But so is zeal and zealous and, and zealot. I looked it up, and in the Greek, here's what it means. It means Zeal, <laughs> it's my joke. Zealous means boiling over, to be honest. The root is boiling over or, or this, this hot, aflamed quality to be a fire quality. When the first century reader would have first read this letter from Paul, when they have, when they have saw that word zealous, they would have had another reminder about who was zealous. You see, in John chapter 2, it's the story of Jesus turning over the temple tables. Remember, they're profiting off of God. Remember, they're blasting the house of the Lord by making money on it. Remember how they've, they've ruined the reverence of the space and the reverence of the moment of worship. And they destroyed that by trying to make money and, and all the various uh, sort of icky, gross things about humans in that space. And so Jesus comes in, he sees it all. You remember what he does? He flips tables over. He, he makes a, a whip on the spot and he drives them all out and he scares them all away. And sort of this, this volatile, exciting, passionate, zealous moment. So this, this author, this, these readers would have remembered when Jesus turned these things over. He said, how do you know that, Dale? Because in John chapter 2, I, I remember if it's either 9 or 19, but he says, uh, the, the disciples say, oh, in the, the zeal of the house of the Lord, 
He will have the zeal of the house of the Lord. And it's a, it's a quote from Psalms. Is that he zeal the house of the Lord. You see, Jesus was passionate in his faith. He was passionate and zealous and boiling over how he does life with one another in such a way that he even has this, this radical, fanatical moment in the temple, flipping tables in a, a vitriol way. You see, our faith is not to be slothful, but zealous. Zealous, on fire. Remember the revelations, John the writer says, it's neither the, the hot nor the cold, right? Is there's a zealousness. We don't want to be the cold ones. We want to be the ones on fire, ones that are burning bright for Jesus. You say, well, I know, Dale, but I remember when. And I like that remember when idea because let's, let's attack that right on because that's exactly what Paul is attacking. He's attacking because once upon a time, this church was on fire. Once upon a time, they burned bright. And he's saying, you know what? It's normal. The human experience is normal in how the infatuation runs its course. The sort of the emotional passion, the emotional side of that, it runs its course. That's normal. And so what are you going to do about it? You're going to fight for it. You're not going to allow your normal human reactions and your infatuation burn out and cool off, but you're going to light them up. You're going to be fervent in spirit and you're going to get passionate. Church, be zealous. Well, Dale, I don't, I'm not an extrovert like you. I'm not outgoing. I'm not loud. I'm not talking about personality traits. I'm talking about a rooted, zealous passion and fire. If you try to convince me today that you're not passionate about something, I don't buy it. I know in the sermons from the 1980s to the 1950s and whenever, we, pastors would get up, they'd preach a sermon and say, you know, I see these guys in the ball stands and they're passionate about the sports fans. And when you use that analogy to try to aspire to a luster or kind of passion, I'm not against that. I buy that. I'm, I'm with that. But it's not just about the sports fan. Because maybe you're not that guy or girl. But maybe you're the one that's, that's all about baking and you're passionate about baking. Or maybe you're passionate about cosplay or Dragon Con or coding or you're passionate about math. You see, there's all kinds of passions that run through us. So don't try to convince me and definitely don't lie to yourself that you're not passionate about something. And when, don't, don't try to tell me or tell yourself that you're not passionate about God and that you can't be. You can. Passion can burn in you. So how? Well, you got to not be lazy about it. You see, I don't know about you, but I've had all kinds of hobbies in my life. And I've been passionate about some and others, and they've run their course. But see, love isn't a hobby. Lo lo true love isn't a fading infatuation or a fading passion or a fading emotionalism. You see, loving God and loving others, that's a passion you got to fight for. And loving them is passionate for them forever. Loving God is being passionate for him to the day that we meet him on the other side. It doesn't come by being lazy. It doesn't come by being slothful. It comes by digging in and fighting for it. You see, I think about sometimes it's, it's just the human experience. I'm not mad at you or me for it. I, I, don't worry, I've been there. Paul's not mad at his audience that there's been a cooling. It's natural. It's normal. When Vera Ray was born, when we brought the girls into our home, there was a kind of freshness and a kind of passion, a kind of 
romanticism, a kind of infatuation that we were passionate about them. But when our kids' infatuation of the moment, when the, when the, the drugs of the brain fade away, we don't stop loving our kids. Why? Because our love isn't about that, that fleeting, fiery moment. Our love and our passion, the fire that burns in us, is the commitment and the loyalty to them. We're not just talking about emotionalism. Though it is emotional. Though it is passionate. It is fiery. It is hot. We're talking about the way to keep that and the way to gain that and the way to reignite that is by diligence. It's by work. It's by connection. None of us would say a healthy marriage is one that's just based purely on infatuation. We would all say it takes loyalty, commitment, and grit and how you keep that fire. We would all agree how you keep that fire with your spouse, with your loved one, with your child is to engage them. How much more should we engage the Father? He's imploring us. He's asking us. He's challenging us. He's saying, he's commanding us to keep the passion for him. And here's what I notice. I am certain of this, that God's never left his passion or lost his passion for us. But how quickly we as humans, as frail, broken, feeble, weak beings, sometimes we lose our passion. And for some of us, we throw our hands up or we hide behind personality traits or kinds of attitudes that we may possess. We hide behind that and God says, no, I want all of you. I want your work. I want your personhood, your soul. I want your passion. Remember, he's he's not just a zealous God in the temple on that day through Jesus. He's also the jealous God of the Old Testament. And that's not a kind of jealousy that's you know, we sometimes portrayed as sort of this uh, negative, evil thing. It's a jealous God who loves you. He just wants to be all engaged with you. And church, we ought to give him that. I can't help but think about the zealousness of Jesus, not just in the temple that day, not just for the house of the Lord that day, but also in the moments prior to his death. That compassion, that passion, that commitment, You see, how did he get that passion for that passion of the Christ moment on the cross? He find it in the garden of Gethsemane. He find it when Jesus pulls away from the crowds, he goes up to the mountain and he prays, he spends time with the father. How do you reignite, husband, your love for your wife? Wife, how do you reignite your love for your husband? Sons and daughters, how do you reignite your honor and your respect, your love for your parents? You do that by spending time with them by engaging them, by listening, by sharing, by hugging, by connecting. In the same way, your fervency, your diligence, your work, and how you love your spouse is the same way we've got to approach our creator. We can't just think that, well, you know what? Uh, It was just this, this moment in church, once upon a time, this passion came over me, but it ran its course. And that's that. It'll never happen again. No, sir. No, ma'am. That passion can be alive and well in you this day, but it's going to require you engaging the Father. It's going to require devotion. It's going to require work. Do not be slothful in your zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Now, 
that second clause, be fervent spirit. There is some debate about what that means. And is it fervent in spirit, meaning like my spirit, Dale's spirit, your spirit? Or is it fervent in God's spirit? There's a, there's a conversation about that. And there's different ways. It, it, should it be that the spirit of the Lord, that, that, that uh, there's, there's fine, there's a good translation, be fine. We could understand that to mean this, that it's just not something we muster up. But we recognize that in our diligence, in our communing with the Father, in our engaging Him, in our devotional life, in our prayer life, in our life of our song, in the life of loving our kids, that we do that through the fervency of the Spirit, that God does it through us. Or maybe it's, maybe the writer is talking about the fervency of our spirit, and that's fine. It, it flows so neatly into that previous clause that you're not going to be lazy. You're going to be fervent. You're going to be diligent. You're going to work hard. It doesn't matter. Either way, the bottom line is this. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Be fervent. Be diligent. Find ways to be passionate. Find ways to ignite that zeal. And finally says, serve the Lord. Again, there's kind of a, a discrepancy of what this serve the Lord could be. You see, the author times, oftentimes the author would use a sort of shorthand. The way we use cursive or the way you text, you, you might take away the, the vowels. In the same way the writer here took away some of the vowels. And he, he writes K-R-S. And we're not sure if K-R-S is to be kairos or, or some other word. And it, so it could be, could be serve the Lord or it could be serve the time. If it means serve the Lord, then obviously what he's saying is to be, to don't be slothful, don't be lazy, be, be vigilant, be passionate, be emotional, be excited in serving God, Jesus, Lord. Or if it means serve the time, then it would mean something like this. Carpe diem. Remember that phrase? Uh, carpe diem, seize the day. Don't be slothful, don't be lazy, seize the day. Today's a day to be diligent in your devotion. Today's the day that you fall in love with your Savior one more time. Today's the day that we stop sitting on the sidelines and watching the world go by and, and, and sort of sort of cold, uh, lukewarm Christians. But we get fired up. We boil over. Maybe turn some tables over. Maybe lay prostrate on the, on the floor today. Maybe we stand up and we hop a little and we jump a little bit and say, yes, God is alive and a well. And he's alive and well in me. Maybe we get a little bit passionate again and a little bit fervent again. And we bear witness, not just witness to others as sort of a Roman rose of salvation, but we bear witness. That means this, we share with the world, God loves me. And I had a moment with him today and he shared these things with me. I want to bear witness that God brought me through these things. I don't know about you, church, but I'm kind of sick and tired. I'm kind of sick and tired of the corporate world being some sort of sterile lab that we can't share who we really are. I'm kind of sick and tired of, of, of the world telling us that we can't have convictions on Facebook or on Instagram or tweets. And don't get me wrong. I understand it. some go way too far. I'm not talking about radical fanaticism. I'm talking about loving, gritty, passionate, bearing witness to who God is to other people. Healthy forms of this. I'm sick and tired of a sterile world. I'm sick and tired of feeling like that, that the world demands me to be authentic and genuine until it comes to my faith. 
I'm not allowed to share that part. I'm not allowed to talk about that part. It's not, it's not fair. It's, it's actually hypocritical. If we're going to be authentic and we're going to be genuine as a culture and society, I think there's a desire and a value of that. The society has got to be willing to accept our authenticity is that we are on fire for Jesus. Family, friend, loved one. If you're not on fire today, I beg you and I plead with you. Spend some time with the Father and let's get there. No need to sit in shame and guilt because you don't feel like you once did. That's not the point. The point is in the maturity of your faithfulness. It's time to dig in and fight a little bit and get revved up a little bit, get a little emotional about who Jesus is and get a little bit of conviction in your life and to live it passionately. You know what I notice? That when we share love passionately, people love it. They'll flock to you. They will respond. Will everybody know, but most will. People love and they admire and they appreciate conviction and passion. It's not that they don't love that. They may not love how or what you say, but they do like that. So let's find ways to say it with, say love and to say kindness and commitment and loyalty to the other with great passion and fire. I'm having that moment where I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm ready to be passionate. I'm fire for Jesus. I'm inviting you, church. I'm inviting you, loved one. I'm inviting you, unbeliever, to join us, to join me this day and igniting a kind of passion. How do you do that? Sit down. You spend some time with the Father. How do I do that? Read the Bible. Pray. Pray meaning, meaning talk to God. God, request God. God, share with me that love and that passion again. And then just for a little while, sit and just be quiet. Meditate and reflect on the goodness of God. Or meditate and reflect on all the good things that you have. And meditate and reflect on how God died on the cross for you and how he rose again. Meditate, just spend time with Jesus. I promise you, if we would stop being lazy, we'll start being passionate. If we stop being lazy, we will start being passionate. Three simple phrases, all all saying the same thing. Do not be slothful in your zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Have a great week. I hope and pray that this shapes you the way that has shaped and shifted and changed me. God bless.